Welcome to MRL Speaks, the premier podcast covering the contract design industries. Brought to you by My Resource Library. Hi, it's Jeff Carlson with My Resource Library. Today I'm joined by Brian Graham, a product designer from Graham Designs in San Francisco. Uh, this podcast for MRL Speaks is sponsored by DECA Furniture. How you doing, Brian? Uh, great. How you doing, Jeff? And it's DECA Furniture or DECA Contract? I think I may have made a mistake there. I think it's, yeah, I think he'll answer to almost anything as yeah. long as there's a potential order in the place. But yeah, DECA Contract, I think is a, what do you call it? You know, actually, it's funny because somebody else told me that the other day. Listen, you call me whatever you want. Just send me orders. I love it. <laughs> so, Brian, just give me a little bit of a background. Um, how long have you been designing products? And I'm very familiar. You've designed products for, I know we're talking about DECA, but you've designed a lot of products for DECA contract. You've designed right. for OFS, for Martin Bratrude. You've got some really fantastic designs out there. But how long Thanks. have you been doing this? Well, I have been doing this full-time since 1999. Um, before that, I was an interior designer by training, uh, worked for Gensler & Associates, and then had my own uh, studio with a partner, John Thiel, in San Francisco for about six years. And in 1999, I, uh, I went off on what I affectionately referred to as my unintentional nonprofit organization. <laughs> I, I know what those are like. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and you're also joined by your wife, uh, Nancy, works with you, correct? She's in the background. We can see her in the video. A but absolutely. Yes, yeah. there she is. <laughs> so, and, and when did she join uh, Graham Designs? She about uh, seven years ago. Okay, good. And so, um, so let's, I'm, I just kind of want to jump right in because I want to sure. know this and okay. I'm, I'm hoping that people that are listening to these podcasts want to know this as well, but how do you get your inspiration for design and what's the process you go through once you kind of get an inspiration for an idea? Like, do you lock yourself in a room for like a month <laughs> and a half or like, what's that process look like? That's a great question. Um, so for me, I think a constant source of inspiration is architecture. Um, I had originally wanted as a young boy to be an architect, but um, somebody told me that there was math that was involved. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, okay, I can't do that. Uh, and I kind of worked my way into sort of interior design and found a program that was taught by architects actually. So that was perfect for me, but I turned out really still always looking at architecture primarily as um, a source of inspiration from the larger scale uh, to the minute details and the way things come together. And so that constantly informs what I do. But it also comes from things like I grew up as a competitive dinghy racer, so sailing, mm. uh, yeah, uh, movies, things like that. Probably what a lot of people uh, cite as inspiration. Yeah. When it comes to uh, a product, I mean, sometimes, I'll get a traditional brief that'll come to me. And it's like all laid out, here's what we need to do. And it's very specific and all the constraints are there. Mm -hmm. And I actually really like that because if I can work with the constraints, then that's where I can find the creativity inside the constraints. Okay. Um, oftentimes though, uh, I'll work with a manufacturer like a DECA in helping to shape where they're planning to go from a product perspective. And at some point, it may seem like the appropriate thing for me to step in and to author something. But more often than not, I think it's just a basic market awareness or market intelligence, if you will, not on 
like what you guys do, where yep. you really kind of have your fingers on the pulse of what's happening out there and what people are doing and, and also from a planning perspective, where things are going. Yeah. So really the like the Neocon show in Chicago and some of the bigger trade shows, like I don't know if you go to Orgatech or I don't know if you go to Cork and Well Design Week, but you you draw a lot of inspiration off of kind of what's you know, being thought of and what's being talked about in, in the industry, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, going to Milan, I've not actually been to Clerkenwell or uh, Orgatech yet. Um, okay. Hopefully uh, that'll come soon. Uh, but we've been to Milan many times. That's yep. always amazing. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's always pretty much focused on, uh, on Neocon, which I affectionately refer to as the debutante ball. <laughs> uh, because, uh, right, that's when we dress them all up and bring them out. And it's a yep. wonderful time of year because it kind of signals, uh, you know, in some respects, kind of the culmination of a lot of work from a lot of people, uh, the marketing folks, the engineering, product development, everybody that comes into making something. It's fun because I get to stand up and talk to people and, 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 you know, claim a lot of credit for it. But it's a team effort. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but uh, yeah, no, traveling around to the different shows and seeing things is uh, that's yeah. Well, it's, it, it's interesting because where you live in San Francisco, um, and I happen to just you know just from talking to reps in that market and dealers in that market and seeing the manufacturers that that they want in their libraries and it's it's a little bit different than really like the Midwest and the East Coast and there is that slide where it does eventually go all the way across the, the North America but you're in kind of that. Yeah, that spot where it's all boiling and coming to fruition, like residential, resumercial, or all the frames that, that kind of started right there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I guess I'm a proud Californian, uh, born and raised in L.A., but obviously been here for, what, 30 years now in San Francisco. Um, I do. I kind of feel like um, I have a saying that I think the, the wind blows from the west to the east. Yep. And so I think there is a lot of innovation that's happening here. Uh, there's also, uh, there's a lot of mistakes that happen that you can see, which is really great because then you learn, right? Yeah. Um, and because it's moving so quickly, um, it's easy to get a sense of what things are like. But what's always interesting from my perspective, at least, is I can understand what's happening here. Part of my job is to translate that to other parts of the country and to other companies that may have a different take on things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like everybody wants to kind of know how Google's doing something, but they kind of want to know what they can take from it and how they can incorporate it into what they're doing. Yeah. And so part of what we do here, I think, is to translate what we see, uh, how things are shaped, how applications are driven, but translate it to other companies in other areas. Yeah. It's kind of a big challenge because there's, it's not one size fits all. So I, I imagine that the process that you have to go through and, you know, staying within constraints would be extremely important to me because otherwise I'd be down a rabbit hole every five seconds. But um, so I'm assuming that it's the same way for you, that once you get that and you're now in the constraints and, you know, you're using your visual cues for kind of the design aspect of it. So then, then give us a little bit more of what that process looks like. Mm, okay. Well, um, everybody's a little bit different. I think the, the first thing to try to understand if like I'm starting out with somebody that I've never worked with, a new manufacturing partner, is what do you guys really do well? And then what are the things that you are interested in maybe pushing or maybe you want to learn? Mm. And in some cases, 
and this has happened more and more, um, a lot of things are being vendored out. So there might be some things that are, that are made in certain areas, but then a lot of the other stuff is coming from a lot of other places. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It used to be that traditional, I'll walk through the factory, I'll see how you do things, and I will design to that factory have really loosened up a lot. And so now, you know, if we're doing extrusions and we're doing castings and we're doing molding and we're doing other things, those are all gonna come from different places. Okay. And so part of what I try to do is really get to the essence of what they really wanna celebrate in terms of their craft or their upholstery capabilities or you know, like say in DECA's capabilities for veneers and their artistry with wood. Yep. Um, they can do almost anything when it comes to that. Um, but there are other aspects of it where they need to say, well, we got to push this or we got to try this. And so I'm trying to help them shape that. And most of it comes first through illustrating ideas. And also it's kind of a back and forth, Jeff. It's my, my symbol for it is an infinity symbol. It's kind of like a read and react. Um, they'll tell me what they're thinking. I'll react to that. I'll show them something. They'll react to it. It'll come back to me. I'll read that. I'll react. So it's a back and forth as we kind yep. of try to find that place and that thing that we want to do together. Awesome. How, what's the timeline process? Are you under a constraint there usually as well? I mean, we talked about Neocon obviously as the big launch date, um, but you know, you got to have that planned at least six months before that. So is there a timeline that most manufacturers give you? Does, does John Fishbach from DECA give you a, a two-week window, or is it uh, a little <laughs> bit longer than that? <laughs> well, sometimes maybe just to get the idea going. I mean, oftentimes he will pick up the phone and he'll say, you know, I've been having this conversation now with three different design firms, and they keep asking for this. But we don't do that. What do you think? Is that something we should be thinking about doing? And so I'll say, well, I don't know. Let me think about it. So I might just come back and say, I've thought about it. Here's an idea or a sketch of what that maybe looks like for you guys. And they'll say, oh, okay. I think that makes sense. But oftentimes I would say anywhere from 12 to 18 months is probably okay. on average what you could expect. It depends on the size of the company and it depends on the resources they have. One yep. of the funny things about this great industry, as you know, is it's made up of so many relatively small, very nimble, very agile manufacturers. And they can really almost turn on a dime, right, to be yep. able to do things. But just making one of it is really not the challenge, right? The challenge is, okay, can I now make that 50 times or 100 times? Yeah. And that's typically what takes the time to market is getting all that in place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, and that's exactly it. Is you can make it the first time, but then you got to duplicate that quality, the, the everything exact and mass produce, and that's well, not even mass produce, but at least produce uh, on a yeah. regular schedule. So it's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Well, you designed a product called Framework for Deca. Uh, you, tell me a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, well, Framework came as so many of these uh, efforts with John and DECA contract out of our relationship, a 15-year relationship. And so I'd say probably a couple times a year, we sit down and we kind of think about, okay, where do we need to be going from a product perspective? Oftentimes, it doesn't involve me. I may be helping them shape something that another designer that they'll work with is going to be working on. But in this particular instance, Framework came out of this idea that I've actually been thinking about for five or six years, which is if we're taking executives out of uh, their private offices 
and we're putting them into the open office, there's got to be something better than just being on a bench for somebody that has a certain amount of decorum or title. So you want them out, you want them open, you want them accessible, but they still maybe want to feel like they've got a little bit more of their space. And and so this idea of of a kind of a large framed element that would be double-sided. And, and literally, as I said before, as an interior designer that's morphed into a furniture designer, I look at a floor plan and I see the window wall. And if the private officers are gone, can I take that same syncopated rhythms and create these tall architectural millwork elements that I can pull up to at each side? And that kind of is the shape and the, des- and the design impetus for framework. Interesting. So you, you really are creating almost a impression of a wall yeah. and an impression of a, almost a, um, a, a difference of level of, of team member, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it is, and it's fascinating. And they're really high. They're tall too, correct? They're yeah. what I, I didn't look at the, the, the dimensions, but they're fairly good size. Yeah. They're like over 90 inches. And so, yeah. and, and, but they're designed to be able to, you know, come as individual pieces into an office and then obviously be assembled. Yep. In fact, um, when we first started uh, developing it, and this is the great thing about DECA, is, you know, I could draw something and they can say, oh yeah, that's that's not going to be a problem. And, and so m- the drawings that come back to me from my uh, drawings are almost like exactly what I asked for. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> to the, well, to the point where I got, well, did I really want that? <laughs> I've learned I have to be very specific about what I, my intent is because they uh, really do uh, try to hold that. So what they've been doing, though, is creating it more like value engineering it to a point now where they've reduced the cost and they've actually made it even simpler in terms of field installation to put this sort of architecturally scaled portal, if you will, that's two-sided into a into an open space. Interesting. Yeah. The, the thing though, that's really interesting to me about, about you, you do the one concept is like, okay, that makes sense. And maybe it could be a private office. But then I thought, well, there's other things that are happening. Could it be conference tables? Could it be a video conferencing element? Could it, there's all these things that be, can be sort of framed inside the framework piece that you can, you know, sort of fit in yep. and do. Um, but you still kind of have this more architectural rhythm and syncopation marching across the open space. You know, it, it, I, I'm not a huge fan of the open office. And, and mm-hmm. I know right now this is actually a really hot topic amongst all furniture folks. Um, but I've never been a fan of it. In fact, uh, typically in my office, uh, which is a house, you would think I don't have acoustic problems. But um, whenever I get onto a call because of my voice being what it is, I'll all of a sudden hear doors start shutting because I'm too loud. Um, so the open office environment was never suited for somebody like myself. Mm-hmm. And But I've always thought to myself that I still like spatial division. Mm-hmm. And now it sounds like Framework really provided that. And you launched this product. When did this product launch? The product launched officially last Neocon. Last Neocon. Uh, it did. And, uh, and, but, you know, this is the whole thing about furniture and Neocon. Um, there's the soft launch. Yep. <laughs> there's the preview. Yeah. <laughs> there's the actual launch. Yeah. And, and so those are a little bit nebulous. Yes. So 
But again, in my opinion, you were ahead of a very giant curve that's now hitting our industry, uh, which is going back to instead of having everybody every three feet, now we've got to divide and space out. And this actually fits within the current the current model very well, actually. Um, it's, it's tall, so it's protected in that visual cues. It's, um, yeah, like everything kind of seems to be like this product was maybe designed for a purpose that may have also been ahead of its time. Wow, that would be great if I'd love to sit there and say, well, you know, Jeff, our research told us, <laughs> but it's not the case. Yeah. You know what? I think it's just coming back to this idea of architectural ideas of space planning and applications driving furniture solutions. And yep. and also, I think, yeah, if you take things away from people and then you see the bunch of stuff that people have to put in to mitigate the issues that you just took away, it's like, something's not right here you know yeah. maybe we should go back to something not exactly what we had before something newer but it's still based on you know most buildings are rectilinear most people kind of respond to that order yep. and then also the thing too about space to me in the open office i mean is wayfinding yes you know, a sense of orientation because yep. i think if everything's kind of at one level and there's a it, it it, it's hard for me to sort of orient myself. Yes. And so I kind of feel like these things marching along a window wall or what have you in an open space, to me, they kind of say, okay, that's that area. I kind of yep. understand what that zone is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's almost like a signage that it, it's pointing it out that that's executive row or however you want to phrase it. But right. that, that's pretty much uh, the theory behind it. So um, it's absolutely gorgeous product. Thank you. Uh, I do know that it's in Chicago from, from your couch. It's in their binder inside of my resource library. Um, so the timing was absolutely perfect on, on doing this call. Um, before we kind of close up, is there anything else that you would like to kind of share with us about the whole design process or um, anything from your perspective that you would like to share? Uh, yeah, I just um, think it's... To me, and I've said this before in a couple of different uh, podcasts or, or webinars over the course of the last uh, couple of months, but I, I think it's really, really true. Um, what we do, design, is an optimistic act. It's hmm. to say, yeah, we think we can make something better, you know, or more accessible or function better. And I really think that in this day and age and moving forward, uh, it's never been more important, I think, for people to have that sense of optimism uh, and that design can really help uh, craft new solutions that are going to work for people. That's been the common thread from like a lot of healthcare facilities have mm. believed now that uh, um, the experience in the hospital matters more than the kind of the layout of the hospital. It's, mm -hmm. it's if you walk in and it's design the right way. So design impacts a lot of different things and furniture design is no different. And we, we talked a little bit about this. I, I'm, a, I'm fascinated by what you do um, because in my opinion, trying to come up with the inspiration for ideas has just got to be a, a real challenge because there is no true innovation in the furniture industry, but it's innovation in a unique way.
mm-hmm. and it's kind of fascinating mm-hmm. to me. Uh, I hope I phrased that the right way. And Absolutely. if not, you could feel free to tell me that I'm, you know, full of it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, a lot of it is um, flavoring, and and I, you know, I'm a big fan of looking back in the past, uh, not only for inspiration architecturally, as we talked about, or but also I think about the times like during the war and how much incredible innovation was happening with such limited means by people like, you know, the Eames and the Splints and yep. Nelson and, and just say, you know, that was tough for them back then, you know, and they had their resources and they were really smart and they were really innovative and they created these things that we still to this day say, man, those were fantastic achievements. That's the inspiration now for me to move forward. Yeah. And, to, and for everybody, I think to yep. say, yeah, the experience and design really does matter a- across the s- spectrum. I mean, it's not just the product or the furniture, it's the quality of the experience, right? It's the yep. interaction that you have with people. Uh, I just uh, think it's uh, a pretty amazing time. Yeah. I've always appreciated that when, when I go to Neocon and I walk through the, the DECA contract showroom, uh, on three there, it, it was always a visual experience. It was, mm-hmm. it was very fulfilling going through there because of the materials that were used and the products that were there. And you've designed, how many products have you designed for DECA? Oh, probably I'd say about a half a dozen. Half a dozen. Yeah. Yeah. Over the span of what, about 15 years. In fact, yeah. it, it started out as a, as a, let's do a product. Let's do a discrete case goods product, which I've done a fair amount of those. And, uh, you know, you said, well, how are you going to get inspiration for something that you've done a lot of? Yeah. It's, but when I started to understand what their capabilities were, um, and they could do things that others had sort of value engineered out of their process. Yep. Yep. It was almost like, wow, I can go back and do like those millwork details that I used to do when I was a junior designer at Gensler back in the eighties. I, I can do that again, but I can, you know, do it in a fresh new way. Yeah. And they were totally embracing of the idea. And so uh, from that perspective and on forward, yeah, they've done some great things and I've got, you know, some a roster of really terrific designers. And I think every time the designer comes to Gensler, uh, to Gensler Every time the designer comes to DECA and they say, well, you know, what's my palette? What what can I pull from? It's a pretty rich and deep uh, mix of materials and finishes and capabilities. Um, It's, it's, it's like a wonderful kid in a candy store kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Their capabilities are very impressive. There's no doubt about it. So Well, Brian, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to meet with us, uh, for giving us just a little bit of background as to more about how you do things and where Framework came from. And DECA is very, very proud of the product. I think it's a wonderful product. Um, I'm going to have trouble getting executive row out of my head now, but it, it's well, <laughs> we're going to see it. And I may end up using that on some social media posts. But, uh, <laughs> that works for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to thank you. And it was a pleasure meeting you too. And, and I, I definitely appreciate you uh, participating in MRL Speaks. Absolutely, Jeff. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to MRL Speaks. If you aren't already using my resource library for all your specifying needs, be sure to get your free account at myresourcelibrary.com today.